let's get into let's get into uh, this teaching tonight and stay on track for our prayer meeting because the Bible conference is coming up, and we really need to be fervent in prayer tonight for the Bible conference, and really not just tonight. Let's let's covenant together to pray daily this week and make it a priority to pray for the Bible conference uh, as uh, the Lord puts it on our heart. Be intentional about that, um, and so. Uh, and so here we are in Second uh, Timothy chapter two, and uh, you were there. Let me get there. Second Timothy chapter two, and uh, in 1978, the rock band Who came out with a song called "Who Are You," and uh, we all have heard that song. Um, but uh, that's really what Paul is doing. He's asking Timothy who he is, and he's giving him the identity uh, of who he is in Christ. And so as you look at, at uh, this, we've covered these nine things over and over, so hopefully they'll kind of settle, settle in on us. The, the issue of being a son is, is uh, laid out, as we've already seen, in chapter 1 and chapter 2. Um, but he also uh, helps Timothy understand he's a steward, a soldier, an athlete, a husbandman. Um, uh, you know, a farmer slash vine dresser, a teacher, a student, a vessel of honor, a servant, uh, and all of those things are part of his identification. So we've seen that identification is a faithful son. Then um, uh, we need faithful men. Faithful men need examples of faithfulness, which is what Paul was to Timothy. And faithful men need examples. Ex- uh, of course, we've talked about that. Faithful men need to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. We saw that, and so those are all the things that, that we talked about in relation to a faithful son. We've seen that identification as a faithful steward is important and and we need to collect God's word from faithful men and commit God's word to faithful men. And then we see faithful soldiers endure hardness and avoid entanglement. So now we get to athlete. So with all the discussion of football today, this is a perfect message to start off with. So integrity of a faithful athlete. So verses 1 through 7 of chapter 2. Thou therefore, my son, uh, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. There's our first identification. And the things which thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. There's your stewardship. Uh, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier. There's your soldiering of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangled himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Of course, that's dealing with uh, the discipline of a faithful soldier. And if a man also strive for the masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. That's where we're going to be tonight. Uh, verse 6, The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Consider what I say, and the Lord give the understanding in all things. Heavenly Father, as we come before your throne tonight, we do pray, God, that you would teach us all things through your Holy Ghost. Lord, thank you for the Spirit of God that lives in us. We pray, God, that you just uh, really encourage us tonight in prayer. That's really why we're here. But we do need to, to have that, uh, Lord, that integrity of a faithful athlete, Lord, that single-mindedness, that focus on the goal. And, uh, Lord, along with the other attributes that we've already seen and the ones that we will see, continue to, uh, Lord, help us understand our identity in Christ and conform us to your very image as you are the uh, ultimate um, you are the ultimate God and you're the ultimate uh, man as well. You're the Son of God and the Son of Man. Thank you, Lord, for uh, giving yourself for us on the cross and rising from the dead and being such a good God and Father to us and making us sons of God. We pray, God, for the opportunity tonight to, to really just uh, meditate on these things and give ourselves wholly to them and a- apply it in prayer. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, uh, integrity of a faithful athlete. So, uh, we're we're going to pick up on uh, uh, on the sentence here in verse five, and 
and is a conjunction. So, and if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. So he's connecting this to verse 4, which is dealing with that of a soldier, which is much more sober than an athlete, of course. Um, And the stakes are much higher for a soldier than an athlete, uh, in our culture especially. And so... um, and so Paul is pointing out that, to, <clears throat> that the point of our effort is to please the one who has chosen us to be a soldier. And so it is important to note that we, we are chosen, right? He's chosen us to be a soldier. Uh, and so uh, I, I, uh, uh, Paul is reminding Timothy that he is in the service of King Jesus. So that's where it starts. Uh, in a lot of countries, like, you know, remember the old Ruskies under the communists? You could not separate being an athlete from being a, a Russian citizen, right? You were under the state's complete control. So that's why when our amateur athletes beat the professional Soviet, you know, um, uh, ice hockey team back in the 70s or whenever that was, or 80s, that was a huge defeat because these, these guys represented their country uh, as athletes. And they were also, probably a lot of them were soldiers, right? So that was very congruent um, with uh, their identity as well. So uh, their identity was wrapped around the athletic event and their, their nationality. So in First Samuel chapter 16 and verse 7, uh, you remember how God chose mighty men to uh, to advance His kingdom, and it wasn't through external means. It wasn't by how much weight they could lift or uh, their exploits. It was their heart. And so, uh, again, you guys all remember David. The Lord said unto Samuel, Look on, uh, not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. And even though we know that, it's always still good to be reminded of that. You know, as long as I've been saved, and I still read that verse, and I still need to be, and he still need to hear it after all these years, because it's easy to look on the external things instead of really realizing that the real work gets done in the heart. The heart is the heart of the matter. So if uh, if we have a faithful heart, God can make us a faithful soldier. And in the Old Testament, there were mighty armies, uh, and there were mighty soldiers who composed those armies. Men like David, uh, who was chosen of God to stand against Goliath. There are also a host of mighty men who served under. David, and these guys were chosen uh, because of mighty feats of faithfulness uh, to David, Israel, and to God. And that's found in 2 Samuel 23, 8-39. So in that list, there's 37 names, and all the last names are mentioned. I mean, in all, the, and I'm sorry, there's 37 names in all, and the last name that was mentioned is Uriah the Hittite, who carried his uh, oath to, to death sentence to the front and delivered it to the command. He he took his own death sentence to the front lines and de, and uh, delivered it to the commanding officer. In Second Samuel eleven and verse fourteen, it says, "And it came to pass in the morning that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. And he wrote in the letter saying, Set Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and retire ye from him, that he may be smitten and die.' And it came to pass when Joab observed the city." Um, that he assigned Uriah into a place where he knew that valiant men were. And the men of the city went out and fought with Joab, and there fell some of the people of the servants of David, and Uriah the Hittite died also. What a sad situation. Not only did Uriah die, but there's also other uh, casualties that we don't have named, but God knows who they are, all because of David's uh, desire to cover his sin. So we really don't know much about Uriah's fighting ability, but we do know a lot about his integrity. That's why I bring it up. Uh, he had way more integrity than David uh, in, in the sense of uh, his faithfulness, fidelity to, the, to what he was about, which is being a soldier. 
Uh, he being a Hittite and not a Hebrew, showed more, fatel- no, more fidelity to Israel than the king, and he was listed as a mighty man uh, because he behaved as a mighty man. Right. So the word integrity has, uh, has the base of integ, which is the same word we get integer from, uh, which is a whole number. Right? So we say integ, integer, same word. Uh, a man with integrity is wholly focused on the wishes of he who, is, who has called him to be a soldier. So we see Paul uh, link the chosen soldier who is always faithful to the one who has chosen him, and he's expanding our understanding of what it means to, to please God. So uh, point A on your outline, a faithful athlete strives for masteries. A faithful athlete strives for masteries. And so point one, there's a goal worth striving for. Uh, Paul doesn't say, and if a man received the masteries, uh, no, there's, a, there's an implication, a notation, that one must contend for the faith. Jude uses that very language in Jude 3. A man, with, uh, a man will have to fight for the crown if he wants to have it. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. So the phrase strive for the masteries is only found in this passage. Um, And so it's only found in this passage. That's point number two. In fact, the entire uh, phrase strive for masteries is really a single Greek word, athleo, and is is only found in the same verse when... uh, uh, he says we are to strive lawfully. And make sure you're getting... I'm following your outline here. So, okay, so passage is point number two there. And, and so, athleo sounds familiar because we use, the word, we use that same uh, word for athlete. The simple word means contend in competitive games. So it's a, it's a little word, but it's pregnant in meaning. In both cases, in this passage, it implies competitive athletic event. The Greeks love their games, and uh, to this day, we honor the ancient Greeks with the International Olympic Games, right? It's an athletic event. It even draws nations together, right? It's actually like breakdancing. It's a way to keep people from warring. So you come together in these athletic events, and it's supposed to have a good spirit uh, between the nations. And so, um, so point three. Paul also addresses the Greek uh, Corinthians using similar language in 1 Corinthians nine twenty four through 27. And I put that verse, I think I put those verses in your notes. So 1 Corinthians 9 tells us in verse 24, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain, and every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it in subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Oh boy. So that tells you you're going to be wrestling against flesh, and that flesh isn't the flesh of others, it's going to be your own flesh. So God preserves the same meaning in English, uh, though there are different Greek words being used. Though they have a similar meaning, God brings a redundancy through the King James gang so we can understand the connection between these two passages. Both passages bring us to the reason for, for motive uh, or motive for striving. And this ties us perfectly into Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4. We strive to please the one who has chosen us to be a soldier and we strive for the masteries lawfully because we want to receive the reward which is a crown so point b uh, a faithful athlete strives lawfully like so in both passages uh, paul points out that he doesn't want to lose his reward right he doesn't want to lose his reward a, a faithful athlete strives lawfully 
And in both passages, Paul points out that he doesn't want to lose his reward. So this is the the Holy Ghost, uh, and he changes from a military analogy to an athletic analogy. And athletic events are are, uh, guided by rules. If you break the rules, you could be disqualified depending on the nature of the infraction. So God is emphasizing the need for integrity in our Christian service, right? Integrity, that focus, uh, that integer, that wholeness, that holy, holy focused integrity in our Christian service. So if we cut corners, we're not going to receive the crown. Um, and so, uh, so we can relate to this. Being in Kansas City, uh, we understand what Paul is saying, right? Because uh, only one wins the crown, right? If it's a baseball crown, only one team wins it. We know Kansas City is not about to get it again. So uh, that crown's going away. But uh, the, there, there used to be a, a baseball player named Pete Rose. He was called Mr. Baseball. And he was banned from baseball in the Hall of Fame when he was, it was found that he was betting on professional baseball games, including the ones he played in. So today there's a long list of athletes who have an asterisk by their name because they didn't run lawfully and their, achievement, their achievements mean nothing because they didn't strive lawfully, right? So Barry Bonds and, and some of those guys in that, gen, in that genre. Who's that other? Sammy Sosa? Yeah. Mark McGuire, right? So you can remember all those guys. All of them have the asterisk by their name, right? They did amazing things, and their feats were outstanding. Uh, and everybody was like, wow, look at the way they're knocking the cover off the ball, home run derby. And uh, at the end of the day, now there's an asterisk. Why? Because, well, they were all juicing, right? They were all using steroids. And so they didn't have integrity. They didn't run by the rules that of the game. Same thing with Pete Rose. So... Um, how many remember Lance Armstrong? What another example! And Lance was the—I uh, mean, he was—he was the it guy, you know. And uh, he won Tour de France for the United States seven times uh, consecutively from 1999 through 2005. And then in 2012, he was stripped of his titles because he was involved in doping scandals, which finally he eventually confessed on a, on a t- television uh, talk show. Uh, and again, as I mentioned, Mark McGuire, J- uh, Jose Canseco, Barry Bonds. Uh, and even Alex Rodriguez, sad to say, was caught up in these, uh, you know, using illegal substances to advance their f- physical ability, and of course, which ended up affecting their records. And so, the asterisk by their name. We don't want to be those folks, right? Uh, cutting corners. It's been said if you if you uh, don't win fair, you don't win. I can remember many years ago we were um, <clears throat> we were preparing to go on mission trips overseas. So we we did these things called hell hikes, and we met out in the parking lot for several weeks, uh, and it involved some athletic rigor, uh, some hiking, some calisthenics, some team building, uh, which some people thought was a little cult like. But at any rate, it was all. And the whole point was to prepare us to enter a uh, a. Uh, uh, a field at the time which was behind the Iron Curtain that had come down and, and there just simply were not western resources that we were accustomed to and it did end up that it was very profitable as there were people that had to hike a mile with their luggage because of a of a strike that happened and so they literally did have to carry their luggage to the airport by hand uh, and uh, the, and there was other people left behind because of different things that happened and uh, so on and so forth so there was some benefit to all that but I remember when in our particular um, it was very fascinating to me because during our particular time of training which we didn't actually get to go till some years later um, a couple years later because we were newly wed and didn't have the finances at the time but we prepped like we were going to go went through all of the process and one night we were out hiking we were running and uh, we hiked up to this park and then we were racing ourselves back two different teams and one was actually led by a green beret and the other was led by a guy who claimed to be a green beret but was somewhat 
he's got an asterisk by his name. But anyway, we get back to the uh, we all we all we all rush back to the church parking lot, and. Uh, the real Green, Green Beret took his team and and uh, and beat us, you know. Uh, and he was kind of beating his chest, you know, hoorah, you know, military style, and and kind of rubbing our noses in it. And and uh, the the uh, to the credit of the Astrid Green Beret, he quickly came to his mind. And he says, "Hey, uh, it doesn't matter how you, if you don't." He quoted the verse from Timothy, right? If you don't run lawfully. Uh, you won't receive the crown, and uh, and so insinuating that hey, you guys cut the corners literally. So um, as it ended up, he's, you know, God will judge which green beret was the real green beret. But at the end of the day, uh, I never forgot that lesson, you know, because uh, he was right. That's the scripture. It doesn't matter if you get there first if you cut corners, and uh, and so uh, and so you got to run by the you got to play by the rules that God sets forth because He's the author and the finisher of our faith. So we got to make sure we play by the rules. So point C, a fruitful a- athlete is crowned eternally, right? So a faithful athlete strives lawfully. What's the point? What's the end game? So that we're crowned eternally. Uh, uh, yesterday at the men's breakfast, Ray did a really good job of just laying that out uh, as far as, you know, you're going to get to the judgment seat of Christ and it's all going to be sorted out. And I know you ladies weren't there, so uh, I did record it. So if you go to my Go Ye Therefore YouTube channel, you can watch that. I, I videoed it, a really sketchy video of it right from the de- my table there so you can see it. But it's out there and you can listen to the message. It was very good. But Paul mentions to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 9.25 that the crown that they receive in the Greek Olympic Games is temporal and corruptible. That's really what he's referring to here about the crown. Um, the athletes were given a crown made of, uh, of wild olive branches uh, back in 2004 during the Olympics because that's what was given to the ancient Olympians uh, back in the day of Paul's writing. The ancient Greeks uh, interposed their pagan religion on the games. Zeus was the father of Hercules, and many of you have heard of Hercules, and he's supposed to be a mighty man of strength. He is supposedly crowned by his father Zeus for winning a race. So here the gods now are involved in, and of course we don't believe in that silliness, but they were involved in athletic endeavors as well. So now this pagan tradition was a great analogy for Paul as he knew the Greeks sent, young, sent a young boy with golden uh, scissors to cut the olive branch from an olive tree located near the temple of Zeus. The Greeks would then uh, form and, and bless the crown and present it to the winner of the games in honor of the relationship between Hercules and Zeus. So you can imagine how Timothy, a Greek, uh, was receiving the instruction as he clearly would see Paul was encouraging him to run his race for God, not for Zeus, right? Now, Augustine may have said Zeus, but not, not, not Paul and Timothy. Paul was saying, look, Timothy, this is the analogy. If you don't get the soldier analogy, you can certainly get this, uh, being raised there um, uh, in, uh, in uh, that area of Asia and understanding the Greek culture. So the Father God is, is the, the Father God, the Son. The, <clears throat> the Father is God, the Son is Jesus, and the crown is not made of olive branches um, that will wither, but gold, silver, and precious stones. Right, So there is a crown, a crown of rejoicing that we want to have on our head. So Jesus is so much better than Hercules. He's so much better than Hercules. That's the word there in verse point five. So Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1. Yes? Could you go back to B? You didn't tell us what was in 1 and 2. Yeah, 1 is reward and 2 is integrity. Reward and integrity. 
So Hebrews 12, uh, 1 says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not resisted unto blood, striving against sin. So this analogy, uh, too, moves us to the Colosseum, where the athlete is stripped down to fighting weight and ready for the competition. It's here on earth where the angels darken the sky as Jesus hung upon the cross and won the victory over sin and death, as he endured the cross, despising the shame, rising again in victory to return to heaven as the Father's champion. So now... Uh, is the same arena we find ourselves, sons of God with a great cloud of witnesses from the Old and New Testament and celestial bodies looking down upon us as we now strive for the masteries. So what a weight that is. That's a heavy deal. Um, What sin would we allow to keep us from giving our utmost devotion for the one who has chosen us to be a soldier and athlete in the arena of life? So... Getting back to my original quoting of the who, who are you, right? It boils down to Paul's counsel, um, and uh, it boils down to being winners and losers. And so we're either striving for Christ according to his will, or we're not. We're either saved, or we're not. We're either sons of God, uh, stewards of God, of the mysteries of God. Like a soldier that endures hardness, you strive for the mastery so you can obtain a crown that will not fade away. Will you be a winner, or will you be a loser? Uh, in in the life uh, you live today, a full-fledged faithful effort to obtain the crown lawfully, or are we cutting corners? Uh, is there anything or anyone uh, or anything that we need to lay aside so that we can run the race and finish our course? So we don't know what tomorrow will bring, but we do know a Bible conference is coming up. So we should receive the crown that fadeth not away. Paul knew that he had ran his race and finished his course, and he knew there was a crown of righteousness laid up for him because he left it on the field. When he got done, he said in 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Right? This week will we, will we do what we need to do to keep the faith. And when we draw our last, last breath, uh, will we wish that we had played one more quarter, right? One more down, one more, uh, you know, period, and gotten in a full game? Will we feel like we came up short, or will we feel like we've completed uh, the race that God has given us? <clears throat> are we going to wish we had had? Are we going to wish that we had given our utmost devotion instead of running, uh, uh, running everything, running it out with everything we had, and uh, and giving Christ our all? And so. You know that's really where we're, we're going to. I'm going to end it tonight. There's more I could say, but I'm going to stop right there. And uh, and and we'll next time we get together, we'll talk about the husbandman, the farmer, which is uh, pretty important to uh, our area of the country right now. So, um, any comments or questions? Any blanks I missed for you? So, huh, one athlete, uh, one a one. C1. Temporal and corruptible. Paul mentions to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 9.5 that the crown they receive in the Greek Olympic Games is temporal and corruptible. I did fly through that pretty fast. And number four is Greek. Number five is Hercules. Oh, in 2004, athletes, that one? Uh, Number two, C2 is, you can imagine, or... Or imagine how Timothy A. Blank was receiving his instruction. 
Greek. It's four on mine. Yeah, it's two on yours. Sorry. It's Greek. Temporal corruptible Greek Hercules. So you don't have five points. Sorry. It's the end of the page. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Well, some of that is not. I didn't feel like was filling the blank material, so I didn't put it in there. All right, Jeff. Jeff, I I was in his class today. He knows that it is sometimes difficult to get you the handouts that you, you want to get with the information you have and making all that work out. So, but uh, I'm pretty happy with that outline. So what I took out that you didn't really need to worry about. So, all right. Well, guys, I hope that's encouraging to you. And uh, we're in a season in our church, you know, where we, we got a lot going on this week in particular. And we certainly have examples of uh, men that are focused and women that are focused with integrity on the, on the prize. And we're fortunate uh, to be about the business of the Lord. Uh, so, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Uh, so that's good. Oops. I think you guys have heard all about the Boston trip. So be praying for Mike. He's got a he's got some big he hasn't made his decision, Angela, just so you're probably wondering. Because he was talking about Tuesday and he's he's actually not even in town. So he's evidently the the, the people that were looking at that space are not a problem because uh, he's still got plans to continue to to work on it later this coming week so so he's not I think he's going to it sounds like he's putting together counter offers my guess because I know what they were initially asking is probably more than he's willing to bite off yes yeah isn't that amazing uh, he has not preached on it he has not made it, a, you know, understandably in Boston. You're not going to get in the pulpit. and He hasn't been. They they literally dug it up off of his uh, website and presented it to him. It wasn't because of anything he said publicly. Uh, it was all because of what was in his doctrinal statement on his website. Yeah, it's the, there's a, it's a, you know, the, the actual owners, the church body, the board... Yeah, it's not the Chinese church, okay. so it it's the uh, it's it's the very uh, there was they were in there practicing and they have a very small congregation uh, of Bostonians that meet there. Um, so I guess 